What is going on, Verb Pod Network listeners? Have I got something for you right here. The Verb Moto Edit Contest is now live. All the content that we've grabbed from Star Racing Yamaha with Jordan Smith, Daxton Benick, Hayden Deegan, Eli Tomac, you name it. All the boys from over there. The interviews, riding footage, you name it. You slide it all together, this is your edit. Best edit is going to win some awesome prizes. And at the very least, going to allow you to see some unseen footage before and get those creative juices going. Go to the website, verbmono.com forward slash verb edit contest, and you'll find everything and all the information you need right there. All right, now let's get to this pod right now. Welcome to a Verb Moto podcast. I am your host, Brad Gebhardt. With me on the line, a very special guest, and he is a repeat offender when it comes to Big MX radio podcast. In fact, the last time me and this guy did a podcast, it was 2018, which, believe it or not, was six years ago and does not feel like six years ago. Uh, but uh, the calendar tells me otherwise. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, the one, the only, Andrew Papo. Papo, how's it going? Good, man. How are you? How are you? I'm not doing too bad. It, I, I venture to guess how many people actually refer to you as your with your first name. Is it like uh, the people who call you Andrew, just your mom and the and the cops? Yeah, there's a, yeah, there's a handful that call me Andrew. Uh, the, my last name is actually Hobson. Um, right. I've had the name Hoppo since I can remember. I don't know, fifty years ago. So I'm fifty two, right? So you know, you know, it's funny you say that. I worked when I first started working for Mitch Payton back in '94. He didn't know my name. He just knew me as Hoppo. And someone I, asked I for that. him, and he goes. I got no idea. He said, I had to ask my mom who was on the payroll. So there you go. The the, the story of nicknames, right? <laughs> oh, absolutely. Uh, I think as guys, we're, we're pretty, uh, uh, pretty bad for not asking each other, uh, a lot of the personal stuff. Uh, it was funny. We were talking about that, uh, at hockey the other night, uh, going around and we're like, yeah, we, like one guy on the team, like we have no idea what Shane does for a living. Like, <laughs> like no, no, no clue as like, he could be a secret agent for all we know and not a, right. not a single clue. Um, and you yourself have had some pretty interesting jobs, um, in the motocross industry. And we actually did that podcast. We in 2018, we sort of combed through the illustrious career up to that point, uh, of Andrew Hobson. And, uh, yeah, it was, it was like you kind of blew my wig back with some stuff, man, kind of digging deep into, uh, some of the, the development of two stroke pipes and the fact that you worked with Mitch Payton. Um, in not only the infancy of his extremely dominant 125 team, um, you were at Pro Circuit when Ricky Carmichael was there. Of course, Chad Watts, when he developed his first version of what he would consider to be the Watt sauce. I'm sure you've heard yeah. too much about the Watt sauce <laughs> and all that fun stuff. Um, yeah. but yeah, that's a diff, that's going to be a different podcast. We're going to touch on a few of those things just to give people a little bit of, uh, of a peek behind the curtain and some street cred. Uh, but we'll also dig into uh, some other topics as well. Um, but yeah, you worked for for Mitch Payton uh, when he was as much Mitch Payton as ever as ever Mitch Payton has ever been. Mitch Payton, you know what I mean? Like he was like that was that's in his late twenties, early thirties. Mitch Payton, that's uh, grumpy. I don't know what Andrew's name is. Mitch Payton. <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, you know, you hit the nail on the head there before when you said, you know, we did this back in 18 and, and as we spoke the other day, you know, so much has changed in our lives and directions from, from that day. I mean, I was kind of exiting Geico, you know, we all had stuff going on. Um, but to, you know, to kind of get up to speed right now, I mean, I still work for Mitch part time, uh, yeah. doing some pipes. I did the new ktm 250 300 pipe for him uh we're redoing the new ktm 65 and this week and next week i just go up there on my days off here and there and help him out and and get that stuff done because you know i'm still a firm believer in two strike i think it's good and it's kind of a lost art and i like to go back and you know do it every now and then. i don't like to do it all the time because it's such a time consuming job and perfection like that that old the the new ktm pipe I think I got like, I had 10 days into that. You know, we redid it two or three times just looking for the right shape. And again, I don't do it all day, every day. So it takes a while to get, you know, all those radiuses and the right look and ground clearance. And, you know, he's a perfection on that stuff because it's, it's going to be sold worldwide. So, you know, it, it has to be a hundred percent correct when they're done. So, 
you know, and it always is good to step away from everything and just go take some frustrations out on metal and, and, and work with him on a different level. I mean, not too many people, uh, can do that. I mean, and I, honestly, like with Mitch, I don't even talk racing with him. I mean, we have a little joke. I mean, he calls it his hobby. I'm like, oh, how's the hobby going this week? And he goes, eh, you know, it's a hobby. Uh, but realistically, it's a full-time deal for him. So, you know, I don't really take our friendship or conversation to the insides of racing. I mean, I could if I wanted to. I, he would probably tell me if I asked, but I, I don't need to know that. I mean, we have more conversations and laughs about building pipes or, you know, talking CR500s or the old days more than anything. Or, hey, you remember that cylinder you ground in 98? Yeah, I remember that. So, you know, we have a lot of that going on, but... um yeah, or I try and help him, you know, KTM wise, because I'm at KTM at the part, at the moment, uh, whatever we can with, you know, information or, or parts or whatever that's, that's hard to get to help him out. Well, there you go. Yeah. So. No, uh, the, the relationship between the two of you, um, it's been a strong one for the better part of 30 years. Uh, you were both much younger men when, when you met. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I mean, honestly, you know, like I think we may have touched on it earlier on. Yeah how we ended up but i ended up here through you know a guy called dave feeney who was a best friend of mine in australia and then I got all know, kinds of time for he, he yeah so he you know he originally i came over and started with him and i started at pc i mean i was you know i was illegal i had two gear bags i had everything that was you know you weren't supposed to do but we all made it work um, and I had no idea. I just wanted to work with motorcycles and I was a machinist fabricator by trade and Mitch needed a pipe builder. So it just was fitting to, to do that. Um, I didn't really have a big desire to, to be a race mechanic, although I loved racing and, you know, everyone wants to win and, and do all that sort of stuff. But, you know, the found, a lot of the foundation of that was like, you just learned, you had to learn how to work, right? Yeah. Whether it was, you know, five days a week at 12, 16 hours a day. I mean, a lot of the people don't realize it, you know, especially in those days where everything was handmade. Like now it's like, yeah, you get a piston made, you get a can made, you get valves made and, you know, on and on at six weeks and in between we'll, you know, we'll do whatever we can. But those days, I mean, I remember I used to be able to knock out two KX125 cone pipes in a day. They weren't pretty, but they were dimensionally right. And then I'd be done and he'd be all right, let's put it on the dyno. And you know, you'd be there at midnight, but that was what it was. There was yeah. no way around it. You know, he's, he had a good theory of, you know, what I, what I learned today on my tomorrow type of thing. Um, and you just had to work to those guidelines. It was hard work. There was a lot of, it was hard back then. I know a lot of things have changed. I mean, obviously everything has changed, right? From, you know, work rules and how no, I mean, I just in everything, like, you know, a lot more money, a lot more corporate, um, and work rules and regulations. Everyone's 1099 now, you know, you've kind of got to be employees and, or, you know, you've got to massage around all that stuff. But, um, you know, so everything changes. And if you don't change, you get left behind, right? So simple as that. Certainly. And, uh, one part, uh, of that 2018 podcast, you did break my heart in the fact that, I was under the assumption that these really cool looking uh, cone pipes were in and of themselves like more performance oriented than your, your segment pipe. But like the fact that like you sort of like clued me into the science of the fact that once you have that cone pipe finished and then you're able to turn that into a segment pipe, it then has less welds, less uh, like friction coming through. And, uh, and then that turns into more power. So like the fact that I want to have a, a cone pipe on my dirt bike is actually possibly hindrance of its performance. Yeah. And I mean, like cone pipes, I mean, so everyone, cool, I mean, there they are. I mean, when they're really first done, um, you know, from scratch, from flat metal, they are a work of art. But at the end of the day, if the dimension's not right or it doesn't suit, then it's just, you know, it's just a pipe. Um, and they don't last as long. Like you, you're running thinner material or you got welds every 10, 20 millimeters. So, you know, they are a lot weaker. Um, you know, as a stamping, they use a heavier gauge for longevity. Um, so yeah, I mean, yeah, they're cool. They're time consuming. You know, there's a lot of guys out there now. I mean, you, you got to remember when I started, I mean, we only had a bandsaw. I used to cut everything on a bandsaw and then we went to a CAD program and, and now you look around on, the, on, 
Instagram, whatever, and then, you know, any good CAD guy can draw them, make them fit or do 3D prints or modeling and, you know, scan the pipe and just find the radiuses and then, you know, it's all said and done. Um, we don't do that. I mean, I still, we, we have templates that we kind of go off and the shapes, hey, that's, you know, I mean, the day that I went up there to build that KTM pipe, I mean, we had, we went upstairs and I think we pulled down 10 pipes and we're like, Hey, I like this shape. I like that. Remember how the Yamaha did this or the Honda did that, like that shape. And that was how we did that, you know, and I just started cutting stuff off and going, all right, well, that looks like that. And then, you know, go from there. So there was a lot into it. But you um, currently yeah, that, working with uh, KTM, uh, yep. uh, an absolute juggernaut of a manufacturer. Uh, they, of course, with Husqvarna and Gas Gas, um, all the OEM parts say genuine uh, KTM uh, product on them. But um, you work a lot on, on some special engine stuff that say your regular everyday dealer, uh, when, when I brought, bring in my KTM all completely graded out, uh, they might send it to you to put it back together. Well, yeah, I mean, I've, I'm pretty much done. I haven't done racing now for a few years. I decided that, you know, that was a, after Geico ended and, and all that stuff. I was like, yeah, you know what? This is all for me now. So I ended up taking a job at KTM. In customer service, and I, I build the engines that either, you know, dealers can't build, they're understaffed, um, or there is a warranty issue or something like that. Nine times out of ten, it will, it will come to my department and we'll, we'll come through it on site and then, you know, send it back to the dealer so they can, um, you know, get the customer up and running down the road. So yeah, that's kind of what I do now, which, you know, on the other side leads me to do a lot of other stuff. If I want to have a sniff of racing, I can just walk across the road to the racing building and, um, you know, decide that that's not for me anymore and, <laughs> and move on. <laughs> um, but yeah, all that stuff is there. You know, like I said, I, I, again, we've changed directions like we all have and, you know, I'm happy doing what I'm doing right now. I still got my hands in a little bit of engine work here or there, but other than that, you know, racing is, is left to, uh, the other guys at this point. So on the racing side of things, you've been there, done that. Uh, you've been to basically every stadium, every national uh, that we currently run, uh, aside from maybe a place like uh, Ironman, which wasn't on the series yeah. when you were there. Um, mm-hmm. And 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 that's cool. You, you're you're happy with it. And I'm sure if you if you still wanted to attend one of those races or uh, throw on a picture for the weekend, probably not outside the realm of possibilities. But with your new role, that allows you to focus on other things, which includes riding a motorcycle yourself. That that like. That's one of the reasons why you're one of my favorite people in the industry because you and Feeney uh, actually throw a leg over a dirt bike more often than not. Uh, you do a fair bit of racing as well. And uh, it's also turned into um, the ability to focus more on the fitness side of things. And um, and then that's something that is near and dear to your heart and something that you've developed a pretty decent well of knowledge in. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, basically, you know, once I decided, you know, when, when Geico folded and everyone exited and, you know, everyone's like, what are we going to do? And it's like, well, I decided I didn't want to be on the road anymore. You know, I was getting ready to turn 50 and it's like, hey, I'm going to try and be the strongest, the fittest I've ever been in my life. So that's where that, you know, pivotal turn come from. Um, and I had a CR500 at the time and I love racing that CR500. And I hadn't, there was times I never rode a motorcycle, you know, back in Australia for, I might have rode two or three times a year. And then, you know, I came back and made that decision and started training. And then I, I, you know, I started training with, um, Rob Beams a little bit. I did a couple of years with him and just, and that was just purely for me. It's like, Hey, I want to ride faster. I want to be better, all that sort of stuff. So I just started racing my CR 500 against 450s and everything, you know, Glen Helen, all those type of races and, and just, it just kept evolving and evolving and I got fitter and stronger and I learned more and then, to the point where now it's back, you know, racing bicycles where at the point now I'm nearly racing a bicycle or a motorcycle nearly every weekend. Uh, you can't awesome. do that when you're on the road, you know? No, um, yeah, exactly. Also, so it's just, you know, it's a change and it's something I want to do. And it was a goal to be the fittest I could ever have been in my life when I turned 50. So, you know, you hear all the things, you can't do that. You can't do this. You can't do this. Well, you can, you just have to apply yourself and, and the time to do it. So... You know, now I ended up with a new KTM 300, which is a lot more user friendly on the body than the old CR 500. Uh, but you'll never have a bigger bang for buck than that 500 wide open going up Mount St. Helens. Um, Amen. So yeah. <laughs> but, uh, what yeah. year's your so 500? It, 
Uh, it's actually a 1990, and then the engine is an 86, which is a short road motor. They ended the short road motor for two years. So it was kind of a bitzer. Okay. I actually built the whole thing out of parts. You and uh, Feeney both a, run 500s. Yeah, he has one as well. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. No, they're just fun, especially like day in the dirt with the vintage race at 8 a.m. in the morning and the track's smooth. You know, you kind of feel like a hero a little bit when you got that thing wide open. But, um, yeah, when the track gets rough, I raced mine many years ago at well vet um in the you know on the 50 expert class but yeah it's like bringing a knife to a gunfight at times you just the chassis just doesn't all <laughs> like the new ones and the four kidding, yeah. are so damn good right i mean like they're just on rails it's so it's, it's really unfair to... it really is like i i rode um one of the uh the kids down at mesquite let me borrow his cr450 um yep. 2024 edition beautiful motorcycle and i, I like i like i for for those who are listening at home what do you what do i ride i ride a 2016 ktm 252 stroke which um great bike especially in my hands uh there's nothing wrong with that motorcycle um but i kid you not uh hoppo uh that 24 honda uh i don't have much to compare it to but that's the best motorcycle i've ever ridden period full stop yeah but, like it's it was the absolute easy button. Uh, I could jump everything almost on the first lap, instantly comfortable, ride a triangle, everything. That was the best bike I've ever ridden, period. And like, yeah, for not, sure. Yeah. I haven't ridden, uh, too many other bikes. I did ride a Honda about a year ago ago and I was like, you know, man, it, it was good, right? Um, yeah. everything. I mean, Hondas are always good. Like you said, that, you know, the, the triangle, uh, everything just seems to be at the right spot. Um, so yeah, but I mean, KTM's, I mean, I, I have a 300 right now and, and I'm a two stroke guy at heart. That's why I brought the, the 300. Um, the 450's still faster, but the, you know, the 300 is just fun, right? When you, when you, when you race right. someone on a 450, I mean, your corners have to be so much better because the 450s are so point and aim. I mean, you, you keep asking yourself, what can they do better? What can, how do they make this a better bike? Um, I, you know, they're just trying they to make do. it more. They do for some reason somehow. I mean, it's all in chassis as well. You know, they'll go a little direction, it's a little too stiff, and then they'll bring it back, and it's a little more supple. And you know, it's all for the end consumer. So you'd mentioned that at the age of fifty-two years old, uh, you took hold of your fitness level and were able to essentially attain a fitness level that you hadn't really had. The like, you, I don't think you've ever been really out of shape, but you'd never been at this level of fitness. Um, which not only, first of all, hats off to you. That's an amazing feat. Um, but along the way, you must have also accrued a lot of, uh, new information, new lessons and, uh, some, uh, methodologies to, to like sort of be able to pass on to others. That's a pretty cool thing. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, you talk about the, you know, the Mitch workload and everything in the nineties. I mean, everybody did. I mean, like everyone worked hard, but. You know, there was a lot there I never knew about personal development, personal fitness, um, you know, macros and weight training and strength. And, you know, you just went out and rode, right? You, you got beat on the weekend. You went and did more motos through the week. Well, now that that's not so the point. I mean, you still have to put the work in and, you know, you have to stress your body to overcome to go to the next level, which is, you know, that's what I learned working with Rob. You know, there was, you know, taper weeks, there was hard weeks, there was more cardio, there was, um, you know, ladders training on the heart rate up and down or zone two training. And, you know, then it's like when I first started on this guy's on crack, but as the knowledge sunk in and you've seen the results and you're all, well, this is right. You know, I, I do need to stress my body. Then I do need to pull it back. And then it's the same thing. Like you, you're not going to go run one of Mitch's KX two fifties on pump fuel. Right. So then that comes back to what you eat, what you drink, what, and all that sort of stuff and rest. So it all starts to tie in and, you know, I just grasped it and, and took it on and man, just trying to make something of it now. Certainly. And it, it certainly helps if you're, uh, someone who's legitimately interested in, um, acquiring that knowledge. Like there's a lot of people I know they go to the gym, but they don't go to the trouble of sort of doing some research to figure out, like, how can I make this more effective? How can I make this more efficient? How can I get more out of every workout? And then also, if I'm going to work out, 
what should I put inside my body in order to actually optimize that work that I'm putting in? Because I, I know that there's there's obviously a lot of people who uh, they hit the gym and then they they uh, uh, they drop by McDonald's on the way home and uh, almost kind of undo the work they just did, or at least uh, a little bit de- detrimental to the. Uh, uh, the workout program, and I'll, I'll say this, and I'll, until I'm blue in the face, and I'm sure everyone's heard it before, you cannot out-train a bad diet, and I'm sure that's something that you uh, echo as well. A- absolutely, um, you know, you just can't. I mean, I, I think that I have never done this, but I mean, I, I think that you know, I'm big on macros and and all that sort of stuff. Now, it'd be it'd be interesting to go and you know do a uh, a week of either, you know, McDonald's or Taco Bell or something like fast food, but try mm-hmm. and keep in those macros that, hey, you're still in your calories and, and your fats, proteins and carbs. It's like, but you're just not using as good as fuel, right? I'd be curious to see how you ended up. I've never done that. I'm sure someone has documented that somewhere, but, you know, it'd be yeah. a very interesting test to see the difference in performance. So. Yeah. I mean, it's just taking an interest in yourself and, you know, like I dropped 15 pounds just recently, the last few months. And that was all from just learning what food was macros and, and sticking to that and, and accountability. Um, you know, and that allowed me to go to the next step. You know, my bicycle went through the roof. Well, I kept the same power, but I dropped 15 pounds. So naturally I could climb faster. So, you know, it all goes hand in hand. Certainly it does. Now, so when you you meant talk about macros, there might be a few people listening who don't know uh, what macronutrients are, uh, how to identify them, and honestly, how to balance them into a, a workout program or, or a fitness regime whatsoever. Like, obviously, people have heard of carbs, they've heard of protein, they've heard of fats. Uh, those essentially are your macronutrients. How do they affect the body and how can they be used effectively in a workout program? Well, it's the same as everything. Like, you know, we spoke briefly the other day. I mean, you, you got your, your three main ones, your, your carbs, your fat and your protein. And it's, it's no different to, you know, your bank statement or the household. I mean, you have to live, work within certain reasons or you, you know, you spend too much, you go bankrupt or you don't keep the house tidy, it gets dirty. So it's the same with, um, um, the, the food. So. You know, like my, I use my fitness pal. There's a barcode on there. You can scan everything. And, and like I said, when I started on this, it's like, I ain't doing this. This is junk. Like, you know, I'm not measuring or weighing food. Well, it took me like a week and a half, two weeks to work out, you know, what was a good fat, what was a good protein and on and on and on. And my fitness pal nearly does it all for you. Like you just scan it and you put in, you know, mine was a little different on the way that I acquired it, but the average person can just go, Hey, I weigh 180 pounds. I want to weigh 170, 170, and it'll do all the math for you and give you guidelines. And then you just start scanning food and going, oh, well, that's a, that much chicken, that much meat, that's much protein. Um, and like I said, it's pretty foolproof system, really. And that was how I learned. I just had to do it. Well, like I said, painful for a week and a half, two weeks, working out, measuring. But once you worked it out, like it was easy. Absolutely. So like, from my understanding, essentially, like when you have like, if say I wanted to, I'm six feet tall, 200 pounds, um, I could process I could go into like a basically a calorie calculator, uh, based off of my average daily movement. And uh, like, basically, the there's there's your maintenance calories. That's like, if you just like live your your, live your life, you're not going to the gym, you're just doing everyday stuff, you're going to burn X amount of calories throughout the day. Uh, and if right. you consume that amount of calories, you will stay nice and flat. Uh, right. If you go into a deficit, which is something anything lower than your maintenance calories, you will eventually start to lose uh, lose fat and lose weight in general. Um, although, like, depends on how strict you're going to be, uh, is how fast you're going to lose it. Um, and here's the kicker: uh, like when it, like, say if, if my, like personally, my my current budget is sixteen hundred calories for the day. Um, mm-hmm. But if I go out and I go play hockey on a Tuesday night uh, with the boys, we also won 10-2, by the way, not too bad. Uh, nice, nice. Oh, yeah, we, we, we ran those guys through the boards. But um, <laughs> that's – that's I throw hockey into my uh, – I, I use a different app. It's called Lose It. Um, right. But they're all – they all do work great. I throw a workout into there, and it says that I, I burn 400 calories at hockey. 
Well, my mm-hmm. maintenance calories for that particular day is no longer six uh sixteen hundred. Now it's two thousand. Right. So if I like, so, yeah, so I could scream so, past that sixteen hundred. I could I could land somewhere in the eighteen hundred range and still be losing weight. Exactly. I mean that, and you know if you yeah, so it gives you a buffer, right? So then if you, if you played hockey and you went to the gym that day, I mean, you might have an extra 600 calories. So you could say, I might have a beer tonight. And then you can look at, well, that's going to be so many carbs. That's going to be this. But you know, whether you say you deserve it or you drink alcohol more than most or you don't drink alcohol at all. I mean, you can use it as a reward, right? Like for sure, just where you're at. And that, and that's typically what I do. Like, you know, mine's at 1800 calories. Um, a day. And then, you know, usually, uh, you know, at the moment I'm working out in the morning in the gym and it's usually a bicycle ride or the road cycle or mountain bike at lunchtime. So, you know, typically on an average day, I probably sit around 26, 2700 calories, which is ample enough for anyone. And, you know, also too, that, you know, exercise is a appetite deterrent right you when you exercise you don't feel like eating when you finish and that's because your body does stuff and wants to protect all its organs and yeah it, you know all that it, sort of your stuff. body's so doing you, other, you know, busy doing other things yeah right so i mean technically you could still live you know eat, you could still eat the cake and the apple pie and everything else you, you just record it and go well i did do that but you know and i notice you know, when I hit those macros and those numbers to a T, I can see it in my body within a week. But like I said, I was hovering around 12, 13%. I'm down to five to 6% now. Like when I really hit those macros, you, you can see a difference in the body and you can feel a difference. So, you know, it's, it's just a little bit of discipline, a little bit of accountability. Um, and that's all it really is. But it takes time. Like I said, it, it's accountability and it's discipline. I mean, ah, mum's cooking dinner on Sunday night with a roast. And it's like, I don't know what you're chasing, but you might have to make some harsh decisions if, if that's what you're after, you know? Certainly. Yeah. Cause the, the roast comes with the potatoes, the, 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 the garlic mash, maybe some gravy. Yep. Uh, and, uh, yeah, maybe, uh, some, some other vegetables on the side. But, um, you, you talk about, uh, discipline and accountability. Um, those are two things that I think just about everybody struggles with. But if they had somebody in their corner who was working with them and marking their, their progress and talking about their progress and helping them with each stage, that gives people, um, a leg up on sort of being able to be successful with that. And that's something that you offer, uh, to just about anybody. Yeah. I mean, like I'll, I'll give you an example, you know, like I'm crossing over in this coaching kind of realm and, and mindset and all that sort of stuff. You know, it's like this week, you know, I have to overcome all that stuff as well. I didn't want to go to the gym this morning. It was pouring down rain at 4.30, but I did a little Instagram post, right? Hey, it's cold. It's wet. I didn't want to get up, but I, I did, you know, hmm. and I had a guy message me out of blue and he goes, thanks for the inspiration. It made me get up this morning. It's like, well, awesome i got someone out to move i mean that's the whole goal right but it's a struggle i mean i have to i struggle every morning to get out of bed at 4 35 o'clock to go to the gym or or whatever i mean we're all in the same boat Simple yeah I, I think it's funny that there's i think there's a little bit of a fallacy that like the like people who do end up going to the gym at five six o'clock in the morning that they either don't enjoy um, laying in bed or like that, that the sensation of being inside in bed first thing in the morning when you're all cozy is like not a positive, like not an enjoyable sensation. Like, Hey, I love it just as much as the next guy. Um, yep. But I've got a goal. Like my, my goal is yep. to uh, when I race the gypsy 500, which is uh, May, May, May 9th for those or not, okay. March 9th for those who are listening. Uh, yeah. And, and teams are almost sold out. Uh, perhaps KTM needs to send a team. Um, <laughs> it's at, it's at Mesquite MX. Uh, and then like, but my goal is to be 185 pounds for that race. I currently sit here at 205 pounds. So I have, uh, I have 10 weeks and I have 20 pounds to lose. Yeah. That's two pounds a week, which, which is significant. Um, but, uh, I, I've, I've set my calories. I, I know what my macros are and I know how much I have to work out in that time in order to get there. 
Um, and, and I certainly want to get there because, uh, for no other reason, um, Hoppo, that, uh, my friends over at Fox Racing, they like to send me size 32 pants. And currently, <laughs> I don't think I could close those fucking things. So, well, uh, you can, you can send those to me. Oh, no, I have a deal with that. They all burn. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I can wear 30, I can wear 32s and I can take my shirt off and I feel quite proud of what I've, I've attempted. But, I'm you know, going that back right to now, that, and that's changing. Okay. <laughs> but, you know, you, you've got a goal, right? So that means that your why is more important than anything. Yes. Right. Why do I want to do it? Well, one, you probably want to make life easier on your little KX 125. Hell right? yeah. It's got to, oh man, I'm only hauling an under 200 pound guy now instead of over 200 pound guy. Um, so there's all those types of things. And I mean, I think that, you know, when I look at it, a person that's in the gym or on the street and I, you can see that they're strong. You go, I know what they've been through. And I mean, like you can, you know, look at you, like, you know, you, 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 you made some decisions that let you get overweight to an extent. Okay. You're pulling them back in, Mm -hmm. but you got to look at it this way. You were good at those decisions at getting heavy, right? Letting yourself go. So you just have to flip that. Hey, I was good at getting out of shape. I'm going to be good at getting in shape. So you just got to flip it. Yeah. It's, it's just, it's daily decisions, man. Like, um, I, like, I know myself, like, it, like I'm, when it comes to, to alcohol, like I, I play, obviously like they call it, they don't call it beer league because we drink water. So, <laughs> uh, so like after the game, yes, like the last three games have gone, have played, uh, afterwards we go, we do go to the bar. Uh, I grab myself an ice cold water. Mm-hmm. Um, and cause I know two things, a, the calories that come with beer is, is not what I, I need right now. I, I, then right. also, um, it's not just the calories in the beer. It's the food that comes with the, uh, the beer itself. It's, it's right. the chicken wings. It's the nachos. It's this, that, and the other thing, or, uh, stopping off at McDonald's on the way home after having the nachos. Yes, I've done that. Um, right. but, uh, yeah, I've, I've bucked those trends. And, uh, yeah, it allows me to, uh, to enjoy my sport, still hang out with my friends and get to where I want to be. Um, uh, yeah, when I get back to where I want to be, will I have a beer with the boys? Absolutely. That's, that's, that's part of that process. Uh, but right now I know I can't trust myself to, to have one without having two or three, um, mm-hmm. not on a drinking side of things or getting, getting drunk side of things, just the, the calories that come along with it. Because you as well as I know, Hoppo, one beer tastes like another. Yep. And, <laughs> You know, two parts here is like, are, are your hockey buddies there all on par with you on this goal and missions? Like, hey, we got to help Brett out. Brett oh out, yeah, sorry. yeah. No, my okay. my uh my my good friends, like honestly, like yeah, a couple of them, like they might tease you, like, hey, how's your yeah, water? Yeah. Uh, cause yeah. that's just guys. Uh, but yeah, none of them are like, hey, dude, like, come on, like, don't be a don't be a wuss or whatever. So yeah. um, yeah, no, uh, like. Having good people around you that will will support you on stuff like that is honestly huge. And yeah, uh, yeah my buddy uh, Kirk and and uh, and Jacob, those guys are, are like, yeah, no questions asked. They're like, yeah, enjoy your water, man. Just get to where you want to be. Yeah, because uh, honestly, like, sure. I, like the whole time I'm at hockey uh, or at the at the track, like I'm skating around, thinking to myself, like if I want to skate around it, like I'm 210 or uh, just just shy of 20 210 pounds right now. If mm-hmm. I want to play at 180 pounds, that's 30 pounds that's a 30 yep. pound backpack that i won't be skating around with um like i might be able to fly around the ice like i did when i was 25 i'm 35 now um right. and that would be that would be good because like i'll tell i'll tell you this hoppo for as long as i played beer league hockey i'll always keep playing against kids that are like 19 20 years old and uh, i'm having more and more trouble keeping up with them well there's something to be said for youthism right i mean i'm the same in bicycle races yeah. Where, I mean, I've been passed by a 16 year old kid like I'm standing still. And I'm, you know, I'm not too bad for my age group, but, or even a 16 year old girl that's passed me on a climb, you know, and it's that's like, damn, me. where do they get that from? You know, but it's youthism. You can't yeah. beat that. So yeah. we have to work harder. And, and, and let me, let me say this as well. It's like, you know, I love alcohol. I, I love red wine. I love the taste. I, you know, I love sampling all the taste, but I just, what it does to me, you know, I can't sleep. I get migraines. Um, and I want to enjoy the day. I don't want to waste the day. I want to, you know, I want to be active. I don't want to lay around and just go, Oh man, my head hurts. 
you know, the wallet's empty and, you know, I'd rather have a good night's sleep and go ride a bicycle or race a motorcycle or do what what is fun as opposed to just laying around. But, yeah, you're right. I mean, you, you know, like alcohol in general, it's like, I, I love drinking the beer or the wine or, or whatever, but um, I just – I. I can't handle what it does to me. Yeah, no, it's, that's, it's, that's, that's me. That's yes. me personally. I mean, to other people, everyone is different, right? Yes. Yeah. Uh, no, you're, you're hundred percent right. And, uh, um, and every, everyone's diet's going to look a little bit different as far as what they're, what, what they like to eat or uh, as far mm-hmm. as ingredients and stuff like that. But I think those, those macronutrients are really important when it comes to race day or even a ride day. Cause I know there's a lot of weekend warriors like myself, I, mm-hmm. I ride more than I race. I might line up behind a gate uh, five, ten times throughout the entire year. But mm-hmm. in the summertime, when it isn't minus 30 and a foot of snow outside, uh, I try and ride at least once a week. Um, right. What are some of the, like, uh, how, how like, what are some recommendations that you can make as far as fuel throughout that day or maybe the day leading up to it? Because you, as well as I know, nutrition and hydration leading up to an event is more maybe more important than even the nutrition on that day because i know some people a friend of mine i remember i went to go play uh touch football back when i was like 19 20 years old he's like oh hey make sure you drink some water today i'm like dude if i'm dehydrated now it is too late yeah yeah i mean i think that that starts again that is just knowledge and knowing what your body likes but i mean there's roughly a rule of thumb for hydration which is you know, whatever your body weight is, half of that you, you drink, right? So if you're, you know, 100 pounds, uh, you should be drinking around 50 ounces of water a day. So, you know, it's basically if you're 200 pounds, you know, 100 ounces of water a day. And that's that's not including – that is just water, nothing with a calorie. So not including coffee, not including Gatorade or anything like that. So that's what you should be drinking and then everything else is on top of that. So you, that should be your first things. You try and stay in that barrier because there's, there's, you know, if you're underhydrated, that's an issue. And if you're overhydrated, that's an issue as well. And then now we're starting to get into sweat rate calculators and, you know, it gets, it gets kind of deep after that. But, you know, for me, uh, like I raced Glen Helen on Sunday, so old timers. Um, so I'll try and hit all those, um, numbers of water and, you know, saying hydrated throughout the week. So you're always, you know, you should always be on the verge of peeing clear at some point. Um, you know, I like coffee too. I drink probably too much coffee at some point. It's too cold Amen. at the moment. Um, <laughs> so, you know, and I'm trying to get in 80 ounces of, of, of water a day on top of two or three cups of coffee, you know, and it's cold and, you know, it's hard to get that water in at times. You ever um, miss Australian coffee? And do I, when I say, do I, do you ever miss? I mean, do you constantly miss Australian coffee? Um, uh, I don't know. I haven't been back since 218. So I, I, I don't know. I, I don't let you next someone go. I, I've heard it's I good. Mean, it is. I mean, it's like everything. I, I think you go anywhere around the world and you'll, you'll go, man, that's a good taste. And we're just, you know. Yeah. It's something different. Yeah. So, and, and like on Sunday, like I, my deal, like on a race day, whether it is either a bicycle or a motorcycle, you know, I try and get anywhere and this is tough and it takes a, a lot of time to get used to it. And some people can't do it, but then you go back and look at your performance. So I'll always try and get around a thousand calories in at least three hours before the race. Okay. Right. That can be done. So that, calories is not crazy. No. So, you know, for me, that looks like, you know, three to four eggs, um, two English muffins, because now you're sitting at nearly 500 calories, maybe yeah. two coffees, two to three coffees, depending on how far I've got to drive, you know, um, try and get to the bathroom before all that sort of stuff. Get that coffee out of your make system. sure that happens. True, true. <laughs> I mean, what, what you, you know, like say it's, um, I don't know, I'll use Sunday cause I raced motocross. So they're like, there was a practice and then I did four, four motos, four 20 minute motos. So, you know, I'm trying to get that thousand calories in of a morning. So I don't, my body is fueled and I've only got to top it off. Like if I go to the track and it's like, ah, I grab the bagel and you know, it's all I could really stomach or maybe a banana. I mean, you're only talking, you know, 150, 200 calories. 
and then you're going to go moto for 20 and burn, you know, 250 to 300, you're in a deficit already, right? And then we talked about after exercise, eating protein, because then your body starts eating itself. So, you know, there's a lot going on there. So, and, and trust me, when I, when Rob Beams told me, you need to try and get more calories in in the morning, it was tough because I wasn't really a breakfast person. But that sets the precedent for the day. And then all, all I have to do is top off through the day, whether it is, um, you know, a Gatorade. I'm not a big Gatorade fan because it upsets my stomach. So I look for, you know, other, um, uh, like infinite or those type of things where those, um, drinks are formulated at 300 calories per bottle. And then because, you know, you need calories. And we all know, I mean, we spoke briefly the other day, like I did four motos that were around what, 250, 300 calories a moto. And, and we said, it's like, I don't think that it counts right because I was that smoked at the end of the day. And then I go back, it's like, well, did I eat enough between motos? Did I get enough in? Because I'm running a deficit, right? I mean, that That's was like the a one 30... thing that I struggle with at the track is I, I have a hard time eating. I, well, I have a hard time being active on a full stomach like i can't eat within probably three hours of hockey otherwise i like it just sits right right well that's that's where i mean it, if anyone out there that that you know rides bicycles a lot and they're into bicycles and then you know you start seeing what these guys do you, you know because i remember when i first started racing bicycles and i went and did an eight hour race on a team and i was like the hell are they, how are these guys doing eight hours solo like i never see them stop what are they doing well, that was when I got introduced to the world of liquid calories, right? Where like all the bottles are all 300 calories and they're adding sugar, which then it's 500 plus, you know, cause it's all about the calories, right? So liquid right. calories, cold liquid calories is the easiest way to get calories into your system. If you eat, then you have to digest it. So liquid calories is the quickest way to get in there. So that's why a lot of that, that infinite or, um, scratch or any of those type of guys, just look on the back and see how many calories are in it and, you know, go from there and look at, look at what your calorie rate burn is. Some of my calorie burns are, you know, 3,500 calories for the day. Jesus. Yeah. I'm, that's, I mean, a bodybuilder. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's just all anaerobic, right? I mean, yeah. like you, you talk, um, like some of the bicycle races I've done where, you know, they're four, five, six, seven, eight hours. Like you're, you're trying to, and the only way you can get there is to do it. Cause you don't know, like your body wants different stuff at different times, right? That's where, you know, with, with Rob, he has stuff built through infinite, which is all custom made. Like, Hey, he's got one for a one hour workout. He's got for a two hour and three hour because your body's pulling all different stuff at different times. So that's, what's good about his formulated um, powders. Yeah. So I can go, Hey, you know, I'm going to sip on a one hour before I, on the way to the track, which is going to give me, you know, 300 calories. And then in between motos, I'm going to do these because it's going to be a long day. So I'm always trying to top up with liquid calories as opposed to trying to eat, you know, a handful of chicken or rice or a banana. I can usually stomach a banana, but, um, you know, again, like you've just got to be conscious of calories, I think. And then if you have enough calories for the day, you'll find that you will, you know, get through the day, especially in moto, because we're basically all moto orientated, right? Yeah, um, I would imagine that most listeners of the Verb Moto podcast network are are moto uh, athletes. Not, not there's might be a few hockey players in there, uh, but those are just my Canadian buddies that uh, are kind enough to listen to my podcast. Maybe a right. few of them are cyclists as well. Some cross training uh, is being done. Um, so, uh, Hoppo, you you offer your coaching services to uh, not only, uh, like athletes around Southern California, but the, the, the weekend warrior, Joe public, uh, anywhere, uh, who have a fitness goal, someone who uh, are looking to, are looking for some guidance. Uh, they, maybe they don't have the same well of knowledge that you have, but they do have, they might have similar goals. Um, right. how does someone get in touch with you and, and what, is, what would it look like working with you? Um, I mean, the easiest way to contact me is just through Instagram at my Instagram handle, which is just hoppo hoppo. And then, you know, the message will come to me and we can just, you know, chat back and forth and see what your goals are, where you want to go, what you want to do. And I mean, like, I just see a lot of guys out there, especially that I race with and, you know, that are 
30, 40, 50 pounds overweight and just know that you can just get them to change what they eat and drop that 20 pounds. It's like they're a different man. They're a different person in everything. And not, and they can ride a motorcycle faster or for longer. So it's just all about trying to be better and just with education on food and, and fitness because I don't know about you, man. I'm just trying to buy another 30, 40, 50 summers if I can. <laughs> yeah. So I'm trying to be the best I can at it. Certainly. I think, I think that's what it's all about. Like just having a higher quality of life longer. Uh, I, I talk about riding it is it's throttle therapy and I, I'm right. looking to try and have as many sessions of throttle therapy that, uh, that I can for as long as I can. And I, I, I did one of these podcasts with, uh, um, the great Doug Dubach and the guys in his sixties right. and probably yeah. uh, like, Oh, I don't even say probably he's faster than I am right now. He's probably fitter than I am right now. Um, and he's also a better part of 30 years older than I am right now. So, uh, I've got a lot of great years ahead of me. Um, and, and I can, I can make them that much better with some some discipline. Um, and also, um, one of the things that we didn't really touch on is something that I'm going to order probably in the next week or so is a heart rate monitor, something that can really help, uh, as far as, uh, just keeping track of some things. Yeah, for sure. Especially like when you're playing you know, hockey, which we, we touched on. I mean, like if you, if you wear that heart rate monitor, you know, through that game, like you said, you're, you're out there, you, you do a hit, you're on, you're off. Um, you know, you're stressing the body, then it's recovering. Then you, you're back out there again. Adrenaline goes through the roof. Heart rate goes through the roof again. You know, it'd be good to break that down and see, you know, what sort of calorie burn you've got over that, that hour of the game to where, you know, it might be a bottle of, you know, infinite one hour that you suck on through there just to keep the calories and the glucose and sugar and whatever, you know, so you don't crash. Right. So, you know, it's, um, yeah, that there's a lot, of, there's a lot in heart rate training. There is, you know, when you, you'll hear cyclists talk about zone two training, although every cyclist ever goes on a zone two always ends up going past that but there's so <laughs> much benefits to zone two training and again when i started working with rob i'm like, this is a lot of crap like what what you know i'm barely sweating you know but that is zone two is max fat burn and max vo2 that's how you build your vo2 is through zone two okay. so when you see guys on a trainer just what do you spinning, mean by zone two so everyone Again, you'd, you would have to wear a heart rate monitor for a while. Okay. Um, so, you know, heart rate, there's, there's five levels. There's one, two, three, four, and five. So obviously one is just walking, talking, all that sort of stuff. You know, for me, zone one is like, um, zero to, I haven't looked at my numbers for a while, but it's around like, uh, 95. And then, oh, sorry, 105 from zero to 105. Then from 105 to, 125 beats is zone two for me. So if I go do a zone two bicycle ride, I have to stay in that range, which means it might, I might have to stop pedaling for 30, 40 a minute to get the heart rate back down, especially on a light climb. Right. Um, and then so on. So then you go to zone three, four and five. Um, majority of my bicycle racing is at the high end of zone four, which is almost, you know, you hit five, you're in the red. Um, so, you know, over all this period of time of zone two training and, and more efficient with the heart rate, you know, I have noticed, you know, especially this year, my heart rate is a lot lower in moto and bicycles, but I'm faster. So Absolutely. the training is paying off. Yeah. But it's taken a lot. I mean, it's taken over three years to, for me to get to this point. Right. Yeah. And, you know, it's just like, Oh God, not this again, another zone two ride for an hour, but Actually, zone two rides are quite refreshing because you can have a conversation at zone two. So we can ride side by side on a bicycle and have a conversation all day long at zone two. Hold hands. Pretty much. And then you'll be surprised how refreshed you feel after a zone two cycle, whether it's on a stationary bike or on a rowing machine. I mean, there's all sorts of, you don't always have to be uh, on a bicycle. I mean, like for you, you know, a rowing machine might be the best option for where, you know, the climate you're in. I do like uh-huh. rowing. Uh, that, that's like maybe I, I'm a bit of a sick puppy when it comes to training. Like I'm, I'll, I'll, I'll suffer. Uh, and Lord, Lord knows that, uh, rowing might be, uh, maybe the most of the most boring, uh, cardios that are available. 
Um, but I, I love it. I, I really but, do. Uh, do yeah. Growing. It engages every muddle, every muscle, though, basically, right? Yeah, your butt gets sore and goes numb, but you know, like we talked about ladders where you might hold zone two for three minutes and then go all out for 30 seconds. And then you're just, you know, you're just training that heart rate to, to raise or then come back down as quick as it can. Mm-hmm. And they're, and they're all the little things that you don't catch, right? But that's just from years of working with Rob and, and going on that, you know, you learn all that stuff and the benefits from it. Cause like I said, when I started doing zone two training, I'm all, this is dumb. <laughs> but I also come from a background of work for Mitch Payton where it was wide open every single day, right? Yeah. That's it. And I, and I did not know that. I just thought that you just had to train harder and harder and harder. Well, then that leads to other things where, you know, the mono or, um, you know, the blood diseases because you can't rest. And then you get into like, you know, you talk to anyone that did those extra three races last year. It's like they killed all those teams financially. Um, time wise and the riders, they, you know, they all needed three weeks of actually no exercise, just rest because they're so burnt out. And that's, you probably start, I'm not saying I'm an expert on it, but you know, that was an extra three weeks of stress for everybody in every way. So, but the crowd loves more racing, but the downside is going to be everyone getting ready. Yeah, I know. I did that, the, the, the influx of like there, it doesn't sound like much, but two extra races is going, is essentially that's a better part of 10% more racing throughout the entire year. Um, mm-hmm. and then, uh, that doesn't stop, uh, people from, or guys like Eric Perinard to wanting to run the Paris Supercross. Uh, mm-hmm. so there'll be invites for that. Um, there'll be invites for, uh, I'm sure, uh, Red Bull straight rhythm will come back some the, to some effect. Um, and it's not like these guys stop training. These are, they're, they're always on something. Uh, they've got a test. They've got to do this. They got to do that. Um, right. And, uh, yeah, that, that's, it, that's all part of it. I mean, I realistically now, when you look at it, I mean, like we'll just use, um, chase. I mean, like, you know, the extra three races for Honda, he was a supercross champion. He's going to a new team, new environment, new bike, everything. You know, he still had to take downtime. Like he, he still does his Santa Barbara where he's out and he's surfing and, you know, just having fun, being normal. Um, and then he's got to turn around and, and adapt to a whole new team, bike, surroundings and perform. Yeah. That, that's a lot. That's a lot on the system. It really is. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, and the, yeah, that's where, how we, we arrive at adrenal fatigue where you just, you're, yep. you're just run, running yourself into the ground and uh yeah you st- even after a great workout you don't feel fantastic um well th- this has been really eye opening uh, i hope it has been for the listeners as well um mm-hmm. before i let you go on this this show um like i said i i encourage anyone who enjoyed uh listening to you on this one go back and listen to the big mx radio podcast that we did in 2018 and uh the the link to that video is in the description for this uh, whether you're watching this on YouTube, on Big MX Radio YouTube, or uh, listening to it on the Verb Pod Network, um, you can go back and listen to that one. Lots of great stories, including this one. Um, like I don't know, I'm not sure if you rem- you remember it exactly verbatim, um, but there was a, a, a situation or basically an agreement between one Ricky Carmichael and Mitch Payton uh, during his rookie season that uh, there had to be an <laughs> amendment to this agreement um based uh, off of well, just tell me the story i love this story yeah. more people need to hear this so, story so okay i mean like we knew ricky was coming and we knew he was good um and at that point so that was you know 96 i was at pc i was doing r&d with mitch and i was the cone pipe builder so ricky comes along little tubby kid and he's like man i want a cone pipe and mitch says oh no you got to win a race and he goes, all right, if I win a race, I get a home pipe every time I win. Oh, God. And Mitch is all done, deal. And I think we got it. I think I built like number four or five. And Mitch is all, that's fucking it. We're done. We're not doing this anymore. We had to break this agreement. <laughs> <laughs> but he got, he got one, he got one nearly every week for a couple of weeks. And then Mitch is all, we can't do this anymore. Like, and then they, everyone shook hands and we're all good. But yeah, that was, that was part of one of those deals. The other good one was, you know, now we're telling stories of, 
uh, Ramsey, Nathan, and he couldn't get a whole shot or save his life. Already those guys, Casey Johnson, they're all kind of sucking. I mean, I shouldn't really say that at the time, but so he sent him a pair of running shoes. Yeah, he sent him a pair of running shoes in the mail as a joke, and they kind of took it serious anyway. I heard Nick Way did not appreciate those. No, he did not. And then anyway, so the next week, we were sponsored by Split Fire Plugs at the time, and they had issues, and then Nathan hole shot it, and the tip fell off the spike plug. So Nathan turned around in good faith and sent Mitch a box of NGK spark plugs. That's pretty great. I love that. <laughs> I, it's funny, uh, Splitfire, a lot of people ask why, like where Splitfire went. Um, oddly enough, that, that company actually ended up basically, uh, being, uh, accused of and then, like, I guess convicted of fraud. Uh, they were committing false advertising, essentially tell- saying that the the split uh like basically the 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 arc having it have two like they, they essentially uh claimed that the spark plug itself increased horsepower which was not true and the the company essentially became defunct because of it right yeah i i don't remember all the ins and outs of it now but i mean at that point in time it was um you know, as a corporate money sponsor, so, you know, we had to abide by the rules. Um, and then I remember just Dino and Dino and, and, you know, they would, they would fail to an extent. Um, but I mean, we tried for it. We, you know, Mitch is not that type of guy just take money and run. I mean, you know, we worked pretty hard to try and get that to work. But like you said, at the end of the day, you know, who knows what the parent company was. You don't know whether it was set up to fail. Right. You know, there's all that sort of corporate stuff that can go on, but yeah, it, it was a funny time and it was a good sponsor at the time. I mean, like, you know, he needed that stuff. Oh yeah. No, it's, no, if they, it's, if it's, it's if never checked for clearing. Um, that's, that's awesome for Mitch. And then honestly, uh, since then, the number of people who have built KX 125s, uh, set of <laughs> black wheels and split player across the shroud, like, it's yeah. actually a shame the company's no longer around because they get a lot of press. For sure. Um, yeah, I've had a couple of guys around the world, you know, just message me because, you know, there's still some, I, I don't post too much of what I build for Mitch, especially late model stuff because it's, right. it's, it's, you know, it's still current for sale and that sort of stuff. But, um, you know, I do go build them. I do, I have an agreement with him where I can rent the space and build them. And I, I built one for a buddy of mine in Australia last year and um you know he was pumped and all that sort of stuff so yeah they're definitely coming back around and, and it's always sad like you think back now to the, the late 90s on the stuff we threw out or we didn't care or i'm not saying we didn't care but you know it was just you know plastics every week and now if you had a set of plastics or those chrome plastics from 95 it's like damn you could nearly retire right, right. um and who would have thought that all this time later that, that all that stuff is such a demand. Um, it's amazing, really. It really is. And yeah, completely off topic. Um, and like maybe I'll become wrong because it's not my sort of heyday, um, growing up with it. I don't see today's flat. Like I, I don't think anyone's going to, or they might, but I don't think anyone's grabbing a 2024, like in 2034. I don't think anyone's grabbing a 2024 KX250F and like building a throwback 2024 Mitch Payton bike. Does that make sense? Like, like yeah, I, like that that 2004 hybrid, the Cowie and Suzuki. Yeah, um, exactly. Exactly. Like, like, or or even like I I have a 2006 250F, and first of all, those things are extremely hard, hard to find parts for, especially performance right. parts. And mm-hmm. no offense, but those bikes are horrid. Like that, that bike handles like a, like a, like a shopping cart. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I mean, it's hard to say. I think that if you look at 10 years ago, like I said, 2014, mm-hmm. yeah, is anyone building them now? Because like all the manufacturers no. had that 10 year rule, right? Like after that last model that they're supposed to by international law, make parts for 10 years. I mean, good right. luck trying to find a CR 500 part right now yeah. um, or a KX 500, right? The and only and who would have thought they, one. 
yeah, I mean, who would have thought that, you know, you know, when I came back to the US in 16, I mean, you could pick up a CR500 for 900 bucks on Craigslist, right? Yeah. Now you might, now you might want to add a couple of zeros to it. Um, so I don't know. It's interesting to see. I, I, you know, you know what might change it is if it all goes electric, right? In 20 years time, someone might yeah. think, I'm going to go build that Davy Millsaps CRF250 or that, you know, Ryan Dungey RMZ250. Who knows? Um, maybe I don't know. I think, uh, I mean, I, I look at that as like my son that's 22. I mean, what was appealing to him? Right. You know, like, was it the Dungey, was it the Dungey era and the Suzuki? I don't know. Yeah. Like, I, we'll I, I don't know that your, your, your son's going out and buying a, 2013, uh, uh, four, yeah, KTM 450 and doing <laughs> a, a Red Bull kit with it. Um, I just, I, I, yeah. I just don't see those builds happening, but like, I still, to, like, I guarantee if I look hard enough, there's somebody building a 2001 KX, KX 250, putting the number four on it with some Chevy truck graphic, graphic kits. And they're just like, yeah, just like relishing on those days. Like that was a very special time. I think like, I think it gets a little bit underrated because I think people sort of see it as like, of course, that was the heyday. And that was also the heyday of a lot of the people who were growing up. So they, they think that that's right. only special to them. But like mm-hmm. that era hasn't really moved forward. Like uh, I don't see a lot of people like building a uh, a Ryan Villapoto uh, 2009 replica. Like, <laughs> Yeah. I mean, I'll even go back even further to a 98 98- uh, was the F four hundred? I don't. I don't see two. I, I have. I have seen some guys restore them back to, um, you know, immaculate condition, which is yeah. kind of cool. Because it was. I mean, really it was, a Doug it, Henry it, build. Yeah, but you you don't. You know, I can guarantee you. You know, and, and of anything that I've ever posted on my Instagram, not, you know, I've posted a lot more lately, but that CR five hundred. Whether it's a video, a pic, Glenn Helen or whatever, will always, always get the most likes. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, that's really when uh when I went down to Shoals to uh do the do the release with um Stu Baylor on yeah, his Baylor, yeah, team. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. yeah, you, you like the he went out and bought a a, a KX five hundred and it was like two or three clips. Uh, on on Instagram, got about a hundred thousand views. Um, <laughs> hit, hit him yep. on the four stroke didn't really hit the same, weirdly enough. But no, no. I mean yeah. that was the same as um, Alex Ray at Day in the Dirt on his KX five hundred. You know, he looked apart. He had all cool O'Neill gear, and then I passed him on the first lap because the decompressor broke off the off the head and ran it. Didn't have any compression. Dad, and I'm like, you going to fix it? Yes. Nah, it is what it is. It's like. All right. Uh, Fair enough. Are are you saying that uh, um, that Alex Ray might have a KX500 I want to buy? I don't know. He did say he would never sell it, but he wasn't going to ride it again. Okay. (laughs) Who knows? Are you after a KX500? I am because I have the KX, the KX125. You know, I have the KX250. And I like because my dad's a pack rat and refuses to sell any of my dirt bikes, I also have a KX85. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I I need the KX500. Put the number ninety five on it, and uh, yeah, that'd be. I just complete the the collection. Um, yeah, I don't I don't think I need to buy a KX sixty five, but if if I do, I'll go buy one. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, the KX five hundred, so, and I did ride one uh this last summer, and it was yeah. hella fun. So I, I think that it, needs to be part of my repertoire. I mean, they're an art to ride, right? They're just a big one twenty five. I mean, they only rev to sixty six hundred RPM. Yeah, that's it. You know, so um, they're fun. I mean, when like Glen Helen is basically the best track to ride for, around Southern California. You go anywhere else, and you just you run out of shock, and because you can't run them stiff, you have to yeah. run them soft. Or she just yeah, exactly. up. So, so, so when I'm down in in Southern California, uh, not only do I know uh, I have a place to stay, but I have a bike yep. to ride. So, yep, uh, I can get you a KX500. I know I got a couple of buddies with them. They all race day in the dirt and two stroke cup. So you're all good. Right. Let's get you down for two stroke couple or day in the dirt or something like that. Needs to happen. Uh, Andrew Hobson here on the Verb.
Pod Network. Thank you so much for making some time for us. Once again, how can people reach out to you if they themselves want to turn their uh, 2024 physique uh, fitness level around? Uh, Drop that for me one more time, and then we'll let you get get down with the rest of your day, man. Uh, Thank you. I really appreciate it. This has been awesome. Uh, I love doing this stuff. Just Instagram, hoppo, hoppo, H-O-P-P-O, H-O-P-P-O, just send me a message and we can go from there. I'm trying to post more and more each day on this sort of stuff. Um, Yeah, so we'll just leave it at that. Love it, my friend. Hoppo, hoppo, just like a kangaroo from down and down. You have yourself a great one. Don't hang up just yet, my friend, but uh, yeah. Okay. Podcast, thank you. Cut her off right there. There you have it. Another Verb Pod Network episode done and dusted. Thank you guys for checking out this episode, and hopefully, you enjoyed some of those cool stories from Andrew Hobson. The guy's an absolute legend. He's been around the sport way too long, and the stories are pretty much endless. So, we're going to have to have him on at some other point. I uh, could really dive deep on some of the stuff that he had uh, going on with Mitch Payton back in the 90s. Uh, of course, he was uh, not only a race mechanic, but also in the shop building some of the unobtainium one off things that honestly probably never even saw the light of day. So, we're going to have to dig a little bit deeper with Hoppo. Hope you guys enjoying these all of these podcasts. Like I said off the rip, go to verbmoto.com forward slash verb edit contest and you're going to find all of the info you need as well as all of the video clips to slide them all together and create some unbelievable content. What that's going to allow you to do is sharpen your skills, also be able to flex the skills you already have and get those creative juices flowing in order to possibly win some very sick prizes. Like I said, verbmoto.com forward slash verb edit contest. Get after it.